Worship in the World, a screen-free worship experience is brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us virtually today. we come to our time of confession. Let us confess our sins together. God, we mess up. God, we hate when you have called us to love. We exclude when you have called us to show radical hospitality. 
we get defensive when you have called us to be open for a transformation of our spirit. God, forgive us the times when we let you down. God, forgive us the times when we let this community down. God, forgive us the times when we let our demons take hold of us. God, let us now confess our sins silently. Glory be to the Father, glory be to the Son, glory be to the Spirit, three in one, as it was in the beginning, and will be forever, The good news is this, Christ loves us. Christ died for us. Christ died so that we might not be held captive by sin, by the demons, by the ways and the powers of this world. Friends, we are forgiven. We are forgiven and empowered to go out and show the radical grace and hospitality and love that Christ has shown to us. Friends, go in peace. Amen. And now for Holy Interruption. Hey everyone, this is Mario Melendez. Uh, I'm a member of Downtown Church. Uh, this COVID thing has certainly uh, brought a lot of bad news and, and sadness. And uh, like most of everybody else that I speak with, I'm trying to find the good with the bad. And some of the things I've found is, um, you know, I'm really appreciative of where we live and, and who I know and who I get to spend time with. And these are things I was probably taking for granted when, uh, you know, we're working hard and, and kind of living life 100 miles an hour. So I'm really trying to pause and reflect and be very thankful for the things I have. And they truly are blessings and, and they're all around us. And, and I hope everybody else is getting that opportunity as well. I, I truly believe this will be over before we all know it. And we'll wish that we had a little more family time. So I'm really trying to soak that in. I think I've acquired a new talent of learning how to smile with my eyes. You know, you pick up takeout and you want to say thank you, but you know, you've got the mask on. So I'm trying to figure out you know, is it opening the eyes bigger, maybe an eyebrow raise, something of the sort. Uh, 
so that's been a fun little challenge. But I genuinely hope everybody is doing well, staying safe, and I really do look forward to seeing everybody in person soon once all of this is over. Take care and God bless. conclude our sermon series on demons this week. A quick recap of where we've been. Jesus has been led into the wilderness by the devil and tempted to turn stones into bread and then throw himself off of the temple, and Jesus has not fallen for either temptation. There's one more the devil tries. Let's see what the devil is up to. I'm going to read from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 4 beginning with verse 8. Again, the the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan! For it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left, and suddenly angels came and waited on Jesus. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Title of today's sermon is, I Get Knocked Down, But I Get Up Again. We conclude the sermon series much like we started it. Jesus is confronted by a demon. Jesus says no. The demon goes away. It seems so simple when Jesus does it. So simple for Jesus who is without sin. But we know it's not so simple for us. It can feel impossible for us to say no to our demons because they come in familiar ways and people we love and things that we cannot say no to. I've got a friend, David, who's been dealing with his demon for 45 years. I've got a friend, Betty, who's been dealing with her demon for 14 years. And I've got a friend, Akeem, who's been dealing with his demon for six days. These are made-up names. I've changed the names, but they're real friends, real demons. We've all got them. Demons we struggle against. Demons that take up too much space and steal too much sleep. David, he's been dealing with his sister who tells him what to do for 45 years. She owns a bigger share of the family business and She's always reminding him how right she is and how wrong he is. David's in an abusive relationship. You can see it. I can too, but David cannot. He's up there on the mountain, the devil's arm around his shoulders, convincing him that he can have his sister in his life and hold on to his own self-worth, and he is falling because he thinks he can control the situation. He's falling for control, and he doesn't have to. Betty, Betty's been fighting the bottle for 14 years. For 14 years, she has been haunted by this need to drink. She can't go to bed without a glass of wine, which 
turns to four, and then all of a sudden she's stumbling to bed. She can't remember the last time she went to bed sober. And Akim, he just met his demon, put a face to it. Six days ago, this demon that comes and tells him he has all it takes to make his problems go away. His demon tells him that he can control his environment, the people around him, his business. And when this demon shows up and Akeem does what it says, Akeem gets applauded by everyone around him, by those around him who he's giving what they crave most, a plan, a sense of control. Akeem is terrified of this demon because he knows, he knows that one day those around him will know the secret, his secret that he doesn't have a plan forward. And the higher he climbs with answers, the further he will fall when they find out he's wrong, when playing God steals his faith. We're on that mountain with David and Betty and Akeem, we've all got the devil's arm around us, showing us the kingdoms before us, and most of us will fall. When given the choice to have some control, we will fall and worship that demon, but we don't have to. Let's talk about the kingdoms before us. There is this kingdom of parenting educating the next generation, giving them the tools they need to navigate life. And in this kingdom, we adults model control while younger eyes watch. We organize their schedules and ours, learning blocks, soccer practice, driving lessons, and the pressure is intense to get the equation just right to make sure they have everything they need to control themselves and their environment. And we we send them into this never-ending cycle with us, grasping for control by practicing our own control over them. And we don't have to. There's this kingdom of bodies, the realm of our own physical body. We put nutrients in and then we burn calories out and we can obsess over the amounts. We can push ourselves toward starvation or toward gluttony. We can control or or we don't have to. Then there's this other kingdom, the realm of budgets, dollars, budgets for households, budgets for business, budgets for church. We can control those budgets. We can build complex spreadsheets with tabs of contingency plans, all grasping for control of circumstances that are changing. We can control our budgets or we don't have to. Now, I know what you're thinking, at least some of you. How can you say we don't have to control our kids' learning? Isn't that our responsibility as adults who commit to nurture next generations? And and how can you say that we don't have to control our bodies? Isn't that in the Bible somewhere? And, And how can you say that we don't have to control our budgets? Isn't that being responsible with resources? And you're correct. You are right. All of these kingdoms need our attention, but attention is different from control. And Jesus gets the difference. 
When Jesus is up on that mountain and the devil points out all the kingdoms that Jesus cares about, people, cities, land, and the devil offers Jesus control over them, Jesus says no. No. Because in gaining control over these kingdoms, these things that Jesus cares about, he has to let go of the very thing he needs to survive, faith. Jesus quotes one of the oldest laws in our faith from Deuteronomy. Worship the Lord your God. Serve only him. Fall down and worship nothing else. Which means we got to be on the lookout for how controlling others or situations around us become something that we worship. Offering our families and coworkers care and attention, not seeking to control them. And it means we got to care for our bodies, filling them up with good things, but not fall prey to addiction on either side, consumption or exercise. And it means we got to be on the lookout for how fiscal responsibility takes the lead in decision-making, especially when it rises above the need to glorify God. For in our grasp for control, we worship what is not of God. We fall at the feet of our demon. Dutch theologian Henry Nouwen's critique of most Christians is that we fall in a trap to choose control over love. Whenever we have the chance to control a person or a situation, we choose that route instead of cultivating space to hear another speak. We choose control over love. But the one we follow does not control us. The one we follow does not seek to control us. Jesus sees what the devil is up to. The devil wants to control Jesus, and Jesus will not be controlled. We don't have to be either. Jesus models for us that we can say no, even to that which seems impossible to say no. We all come face to face with demons tempting us toward control. I'm faced daily with the decision to control or to practice faith. I mean, like 20 or 30 times a day, I'm given the choice to leverage my voice to get my desired outcome or to practice faith. Practicing faith still involves my agency, my attention, my time, my care. I have to state what I want, but then I have to make room for someone else to state what they want, and then I have to have faith that God controls the outcome. I think about my friend David. The demon that is haunting him isn't his sister. She's got demons of her own. His demon is the fact that he doesn't value his voice enough to speak up and tell her how she's hurting him. My friend Betty, she fights with the demon that tells her she needs what's in the bottle to be okay, to like herself, to stay alive for one more day. And it's just not true. That bottle controls her. And my friend Akeem, the demon of self-sufficiency, is stealing his faith in God to save him and those around him. Worshiping God takes Every brain cell, every minute, every ounce of energy we have to give. 
And the good news is that Jesus, Jesus doesn't expect us to get it right all of the time. Jesus knows how hard decision-making is. He's making these decisions after 40 days with no food and no companionship. He knows that we're going to fall to our demons. That's why he came. Because with Jesus, even as we fall and worship the wrong things, he gives us ample opportunity to make a different choice, to choose God. So when we're fallen for this temptation to control and then it turn controls us, Jesus can help. Jesus can redirect our worship to the one who doesn't wish to control us, to God, our God, who acts in love. The only God worthy of our worship. Thanks be to God. Turn back. 
drifting too far from the shore drifting too far from the shore come to jesus today let him show now we come to a time at the table, the Lord's Supper, and I think it's safe to say um, that this is not the most ideal way that Don, myself, and all of you would like to take communion. Is that fair to say, Don? Yes, uh, Lucas. I miss being in person at a table, um, but Jesus is bigger than that. I have to always remember that the spiritual connection that Jesus offers us is a lot bigger than... Um, what we've come to depend on being in person. So even though we're taking away, you know, touch, smell, feel, vision, it, it can be kind of cool to participate in the sacrament through sound only. And then those of you that are driving to the building today to receive communion from one of us or an elder will have those other senses. But um, yeah, let's do it with sound. Let's Christ still meets us at where, whatever table you might be sitting yes. at, whatever point um, or place in this world you might find yourself. Christ welcomes you to this table, and it's not downtown church's table. It's not the Presbyterian church's table. It is Christ's, and all are welcome. And Christ can fill us up. Let's do it. Don, the Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. Praise to you, O God, for all your works. You created the world and called it good and made us in your image to live together in love. You made a covenant with us, and even when we turned from you, you remained ever faithful to us. Therefore, with all creation, we sing your praise. God, we thank you for your son. We thank you that he walked the earth. We thank you that he dined and ate with sinners, with tax collectors, with people all across your kingdom. God, we ask that you bless this bread, you bless this wine, and your spirit might be poured out upon it. It might fill us up to go out into your world as your beloved servants. God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather virtually. We know, God, that we would like to be together but your spirit connects us in times of pandemic. God, we give you all the glory and all the praise. Thank you. Amen. We remember 
when Jesus was at supper with his disciples right before he was betrayed by them, he took bread and he lifted it before their eyes and he said to them, this is God. This is my body, which will be broken and given for you. Take it. And don't forget. Don't forget me. Don't forget my love for you. And in the same way, he took a cup and he grabbed wine and he poured it out into the cup and held it up and said, this cup is the covenant sealed in my blood for the forgiveness of all of our sins. Drink it and do so remembering me, remembering the love I have for you. And so whenever we drink from this cup and we eat this bread, we proclaim Christ's victory over sin. We proclaim Christ's love for us, for the world, for this beloved community. We give thanks for Jesus. Alleluia. Amen. God, you show up for us in parched places. You show up for us when we need your help confronting the demons that tempt us to control what we cannot control, that end up controlling us. So God, wherever we are today, wherever we need you to show up for us, fill us up with your love, with your peace, with your patience. Point us outward to your world, which is crying out for you now. May these gifts of bread and wine Give us what we need to be your feet and your hands and your elbows, your voices in this world this day. Amen. We've all got demons. But because of Jesus, we don't have to bow to them. So as you go from this place, may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the interruption of the Holy Spirit may be with you. And with all those you love, and with all those nobody loves, go in peace. A special thanks to our technical team and artists of all forms. Musical composition brought to you by Sean Thompson. Audio mastery by Drew Parker. If I Needed You by Towns Van Zandt. Gloria Patry by City Hymns. Drifting Too Far From the Shore by Charles Moody. Vocals by Max Stidham and Lindsay Blair Simmons. The scripture quoted from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Theological Musings and Prayers brought to you by Lucas Jones and Don Hyde.